From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. And I was terrified standing up talking about me running this business that I had only just begun and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I had the idea to run a leadership retreat in the Himalaya in a village that I'd been traveling to for a long time. And I stood up and I was so nervous. I was sure everyone could tell I was trembling when I said, I'm going to take people to the Himalayan mountains on a leadership retreat and we're going to go trekking in the remote mountains if anyone would like to come with me. And that was seven years ago and I've taken, I don't know how many now, must be 50 or 60 people to the Himalaya and and helped create you know, a life-shaping experience for them. Today on episode 74 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Jem Fuller. Jem built a very successful leadership coaching business over the last few years. The beginning was very challenging, yet Jem persevered to make it work. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Jem Fuller. Jem has lived a very colorful life, from barefoot backpacker to corporate leader, actor, singer, songwriter, tattooist, fire dancer, volunteer, teacher, travel consultant, and now executive coach, speaker, and facilitator of retreats in the Himalayas and the jungles of Bali. Jem became suddenly unemployed in 2013 and commenced his solopreneur journey. Jem, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. Jim, you've had an interesting career trajectory. You started off being very non-corporate, then you went into corporate, and as you planned to become a consultant, you suddenly became a consultant without a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a nutshell, yeah. I, um, prior to my 30s, so through my 20s, I was very anti-establishment and, um, and was determined to not play a part you know, to not be in the rat race and, and do that whole thing. And then in my early 30s, when I became a father, realized pretty quickly that I needed to find a way to feed these kids and put a roof over their head. So I ended up working in a multinational organization and uh, and did quite well and ended up leading quite a few people and earning reasonably good money. And yeah, as you said, I had the idea that I would like to leave at some point in time and start my own consultancy. I, I actually had planned for another year or two of employment. Uh, was building a house, just started to build a, a house at the time, and then all of a sudden was unemployed um, without much of a plan and and had to throw myself in the deep end. So what was the first thing you did? Uh, the first thing I did was get on a plane and fly to my wife's family in a different state somewhere else in Australia. That was actually planned, that, you know, going over there was planned, and sat down and, and took a few deep breaths, probably went and bought myself a bottle of good quality single malt whiskey and um, pondered the future. How did you feel about it? Look, it was quite a shock. You know, I kind of saw it coming, but not really. I, you know, I didn't really expect to be going from earning good money to no money. The, and the, you know, the handshake, the payout that I got was, you know, it was just enough really, but it was enough to, to be able to take a breath. And then, and then I considered what to do and, and everybody around me said, oh, look, you've got to just go back and get another job somewhere. You know, you need, we had literally, the banks had just proved the money for us to start building our own home. We'd bought the land. So we borrowed all the money to, to build, uh, but to service that debt, obviously needed an income. And I had a bit of breathing space and 
I said, no, I think this is, I think the timing, it's a meant to be thing. You know, I, um, I believe that now is the time for me to go and become qualified as a coach and in a human behavioral profiler and uh, the other bits and pieces that I wanted to study. And I'm just going to have a crack at this and start my own coaching business. So I had a crack and it was funny, actually, in the meantime, when I was starting my coaching business, just to have a little bit of money coming in, I got a couple of jobs in the small town where we live. And one of them was cleaning houses and the other was making coffee in a cafe. And I was laughing at myself. I I actually found it quite amusing that I was scrubbing toilets. And a couple of weeks before I was leading 150 people. Uh, But it was very humbling. And it was, it was a good process. And it was, yeah, it was a restart for me. I was really starting to, you know, I had the opportunity to re-identify who I wanted to be and, and how I wanted to earn money and how I wanted to um, impact other people's lives in a positive way. And so it was a really fresh start. And I decided to jump both feet in and, and just start my coaching business and not go and get another corporate leadership job, much to um, everyone's dismay, I think. And I was lucky enough to be successful and I've never worked another job since. And that was seven years ago. Jim, mm. how hard was it to ignore the advice you were giving from people who were really close to you, especially when it was unclear whether you, how, how successful you would be. Yeah, I, it, it was reasonably easy for me to ignore the advice just because I'm I'm quite strong headed and and I believe in myself. So I mean, I really didn't question whether I could make it work or not. Largely, I mean, you have moments of self doubt. Obviously, we're human, and 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 I did have you know, sleepless nights. And I did have mornings where I'd wake up too early lying there thinking, how am I going to pay the bills? So it was stressful. And and I did have those moments. But overall, I had a strong conviction that I could do this. And I also, you know, look, whether this is actually true or not, I don't know. But I I am reasonably spiritual. I'm not religious, but I believe that there's um, something bigger than us when I say bigger, there's just something that we don't understand that ties everything together. There's some sort of energy that, that, you know, makes everything move on an atomic level in the universe. And I don't know what that is, but because I don't understand it, to me, it's potential. It's, it's possibility and potential synchronicity, you know, that, that everything is connected. So when I, you know, had decided that I wanted to start a consultancy and then lost my job, I made that mean that it was synchronicity. I made that mean that it was the right time. So I chose to believe, you know, this is going to be hard, but the timing is now because here I am. So I threw myself into my study. You know, I followed the advice of the people who'd walked before me and, and trodden that path. And I read a lot of books and I, I got mentors and, and coaches and, you know, figured out what works and what doesn't work and just put the pieces into play and, and slowly built a business. Mm. How important do you think it was for you to have that strong conviction in order to have the capability to follow those who had gone before you? Oh, super important. Yeah. Yeah. Without the conviction, I probably would have just ended up when it got really tough in that first year. And by the way, David, too, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all easy and, and, you know, a fairy tale story. I ended up having to sell that house, my marriage, which was on the way out while I was in the corporate role, my marriage um, was suffering anyway, and we had to end our marriage, which needed to happen regardless. But this was all happening when I'd lost my job. I wasn't earning enough money. I couldn't afford to to pay the 
the mortgage repayments on all the money that I'd borrowed. We ended up having to sell the house. I had to start again. So it wasn't an easy journey. But one thing that never wavered was that conviction. I, I knew this was my path. I knew this is, you know, what I had to do. And I'm really, really glad that I stuck to it. So given how hard that transition is from employment into consulting or coaching, mm. and the fact that you are somebody with strong conviction, what advice do you have for others that are struggling to make to try to maintain enough conviction to keep pursuing their dream? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I have over the last seven years, I've coached people who before they'd started to make that transition, but wanted to make that transition from being employed to being, you know, self-employed. And I've never suggested to anyone, unless it's what they wanted to do, I've never encouraged anyone to just leave, quit, and jump in the deep end with no income. I've always explored with them, can they make a transition? Can they work less hours in their other job and gradually, you know, transition across to, you know, employing themselves full time? That's certainly a, a much less stressful way to do it. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and also the other thing too is that the coaching school where I studied, you've got all these thousands of, of wannabe coaches and consultants going through this school. And, you know, they, they, to be honest, they get sold on this dream of you can go and make a positive difference in other people's lives and earn a six or seven figure income. And they get sold on this dream. And to be honest, I don't know, 90, 95% of them don't have what it takes to A, be a really good coach and B, to, you know, have the self-discipline that it takes and the conviction that it takes to get through the hard times as a consultant, you know, because you're always looking for work. You have to be always generating work and you're doing your marketing, you're doing your sales, you're doing the delivery, you're doing the whole kit and caboodle. And it's you, you know, you're the brand. And if you're not okay with that, um, it can be a really hard road. So what do you see as the key ingredients to success? Obviously conviction, yes. What else? Well, I mean, I guess if we're talking about the kind of work that I do, which is coaching, speaking, facilitation, what are the key ingredients to success? I think the first step is that you've got to do the work on yourself. You've got to be okay with you. And, and that's a continual process. That's a, a practice that, you know, I'm guessing doesn't ever end. But if, you, if you've got a lot of stuff that you are unresolved within your own personal life, then it's going to be really hard for you to get out of the way and be clear and present for the people that you serve, for the people that you, you know, that you coach or facilitate for. Coaching really is about being able to make it all about the other person. And so if you're sitting in a, say you're in a one-to-one -one consultation or coaching session with somebody, if you've got a busy mind because of the stuff that you haven't, you know, accepted or resolved within yourself, you can't really be there for them. So I think to be successful, you've got to be able to be very present for the people, for your clients, basically. And Jem, when you were trying to learn how you could make this work as well as possible, what resources were really helpful to you? Who did you follow? And where, where did you get that advice from people who had gone before you? Uh, look, that was, that was reasonably local. There's a woman, Sharon Pearson, who runs a very successful coaching school here called the Coaching Institute. And she's widely regarded. She's, she's won the, the Australian Businesswoman's Award a few times. And she's, she's a really clever businesswoman and a very successful coach. So I went, I, I went to her school as a student 
and and learn a lot from her. And also I had a, a mentor uh, who was one of the teachers from that school and actually whose name is Joe Pane and who who actually was the inspiration for me to take this path in the first place. When I was still employed, we had him come and run uh, a couple of days of work for the senior leadership team and I just loved what he did and was chatting with him about it. So he's remained as a mentor and not just a teacher in an official capacity, but also as a friend and someone that I would call upon and say, what do I do now kind of thing. Yeah, they sound like people who have been really helpful and continue to be really helpful. Yeah, to this day, Joe is a friend of mine. And it's interesting, you know, his our relationship has gone from mentor, mentee, and teacher and student, and has now become uh, friends who collaborate and refer work to each other. And we're, you know, talking about, you know, actually doing some work together as well now. So that's been a, a really lovely journey. That's remarkable. Jim, I want to I want to go back to something we talked about a little earlier, which is your advice to try to make the transition a little more gradual, if you can, from employment to entrepreneurship. So for a lot of people, the transition doesn't happen based on their own timeline. You know, for many people, they've worked in corporate for for longer than you, often twenty years or more, sometimes thirty years or more. And something happens that has nothing to do with their performance and they're out of a job. And particularly when you're a high achiever where you've been earning good money, the likelihood of you getting rehired to do something comparable at a comparable level of compensation, the older you get, the harder it is. And for many of these folks, they've actually gotten tired of being in corporate and they would rather do their own thing, but they're thrust into it quite suddenly with, um, and even though they may have dreamt about it and really want to make it work, it's a pretty abrupt transition. Do you have any thoughts about how to make it work as well as possible, especially in those beginning stages when it's so hard? Yeah. I mean, look, it depends on the individual and where they're at financially, to be honest. If you if you are in a situation where you've got some a buffer, if you've got some time to set yourself up and start getting your first clients. That's great. If you don't, if, if you're really to the wall and you don't have any money, then obviously you need to find a way to, to be earning money initially and you do whatever you can do. I mean, I, I don't recommend cleaning toilets and houses like I did, but you know, that's the extent to which I went you know, to get money coming through that, so that I could start my own consultancy my own practice. So it, it, yeah, it depends on the individual. If you've got, if you're financially okay enough that you don't need to race off and, and get some, you know, unrelated job, then you can take a breath and it's your network. It is who you know. And we all know more people than we think we do. And the people that we do know, if they believe in you, are, are going to open up their networks to you as well. So it's about getting clear around the service that you're going to be offering and the problem that you're going to be solving for people. So if you've been in a role for 30 years, you've got a lot of experience. <laughs> you know, you, you've learned a lot and there will be problems that other people are experiencing that you have answers for, that you have solutions for. So you need to get really clear on what that problem is that you're going to solve and then go to your networks and say, hey, look, here I am. This is my new venture. This is what I'm doing. And this is, you know, how I'm going to be helping people I'd love the opportunity to get in front of people that I might be able to 
help. And, uh, you know, if, if you made, you know, six phone calls a week to people that you trust in your network and people who trust you, six phone calls a week and ask them for three introductions each, you know, you do the maths and there's enough people, enough introductions each week. And out of those intro- introductions, even if you have 18 people that you're introduced to a week and you only convert one or two of them in the consulting game, that's pretty good money. Right. So yeah, to a certain extent, it is very much about the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. It's about the numbers. You know, if you've been in corporate for a long period of time, you understand things like, you know, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And in the corporate world, you would have had KPIs, you would have had numbers that you had to hit. So you you treat your own business the same way. You know, it's a numbers game and you, you look at what your conversion rate is and you look at how many people you need to get in front of a week with that conversion rate to earn enough money for your lifestyle. And you, and you aim for those numbers. One of the things that really worked for me early on, and again, like I said, you know, I just jumped into full-time coaching, uh, well, wanting to be a full-time coach. I didn't have any clients at the start. But one thing that really worked for me was get in front of people. Just keep getting in front of people. Keep meeting people. And so if I had a day where I was sitting at home overwhelmed and, you know, working on a website or working on a business card or something like that, it was hard. It, you start to, you know, feel overwhelmed and procrastinate and not actually do anything. But if I got in the car and drove into my local town, into my local city and just created meetings, you know, I, I joined a networking group called BNI. I know you have BNI in America as well. Yes. Um, I, but that's where BNI started was in America. BNI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty widespread here. Yeah, it was massive for me. You know, I mean, you've got to be in a good chapter. There are chapters of BNI that are not healthy. Uh, and there are some that are really, really healthy. Uh, but that was massive for me because it's a big commitment. Every week you're turning up to a breakfast with a room of you know 50 other business owners and you're forming solid relationships. And from those relationships, you get lots of introductions. So that was a key for me was to become part of a, a wider group of supportive business owners and start forming solid relationships. Yeah, I think being... Um forced to do marketing on a regular basis, which is what BNI does, because you have to meet once a week and get up and talk about yourself. Yeah. It forces you to move the needle forward on your own marketing, whether you want to or not. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of support around you. And because of, you know, the clever design of BNI, where in a chapter there's only one person representing each business category. So you're not in competition with anybody in the room. And also it opens you up to a lot of services that you will need. You know, there's people in the room who build websites. There's people in the room who are accountants or, you know, bookkeepers or all the services that you need to run your own business. You'll, you'll meet them through the room as well. Uh, But you're right. It forces you to get up every week and to talk about yourself and and your service and, and what you're offering. So your confidence level grows quite quickly. And the relationships grow quite quickly as well. It was really helpful to me in my business. It was actually quite helped me identify and refine a niche early on when it was really important to do so. Yeah. The fact that I wasn't sure what my my marketing message was initially, as challenging as that might have been, getting up and having to give a marketing message at all when I was unsure was better than not giving it, period. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, just listening to you now, David, it, it, you know, giving me cause to reflect over BNI and actually how much um, I created and it, and it gave me right up to, you know, I, I think it was in one of my first, it was certainly within the first month 
of being at BNI and I was terrified of standing up talking about me running this business that I had only just begun and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I had the idea to run a leadership retreat in the Himalaya in a village that I'd been traveling to for a long time. And I stood up and I was so nervous. I was sure everyone could tell I was trembling when I said, I'm going to take people to the Himalayan mountains on a leadership retreat and we're going to go trekking in the remote mountains if anyone would like to come with me. And that was seven years ago and I've taken, I don't know how many now, must be 50 or 60 people to the Himalaya and, and helped create you know, a life-shaping experience for them. But not only that, the village that we go to, my mate over there, my friend over there who we stay with runs a not-for-profit and we wanted to build a school for the kids there a small little internet school, and through BNI, the the BNI franchise owner here in Australia called me up one day and said, "Jem, I want to. I'm ready to invest in some charity. You know, can you have a, a look around and find some sort of not-for-profit cause that I can invest in?" And I said, "You don't need to look any further. I've got it. I've, I'm really wanting to build this school." And so through through BNI, we raised the money and we built the school. And the BNI franchise owner here in Australia flew over to India with his daughter and opened the school up in this little village. So it's a really wonderful, remarkable story. Thanks to BNI. Wow, that is remarkable. And Jem, congratulations on everything that you've done in your career, the transitions that you've made, how hard you've worked to make the transitions successful, and also what you do in guiding other people through their own work to become more successful. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've talked about today or learn more or access any resources you might have, where would be the best place for them to go? Uh, Jump onto gemfuller.com and scroll down that homepage and there's a, a free copy of my ebook and it's a quick easy read but there are some some solid tips in there that will help you uh, so feel free to go and have a read of that book you can also anyone can reach out to me through that website or they can have a look on on my online school i've got some courses on there and, and the course that's been helping people a lot this year is on personal resilience so one of my organizational clients last year asked me to put together a course Uh, to help their people with their own personal resilience. And that was before COVID came and we launched it and then COVID came and it's become even more relevant this year. And the feedback has been, you know, overwhelmingly positive. It's really helping people. And I guess if you've lost your job, building your own personal resilience is going to be really a handy thing to do. So that course is on gemfuller.teachable.com. Okay, we will include for the link for that as well. Is there um, a special offer for our audience for the course? Yeah, absolutely. Just ask them to um, email me, gem at gemfuller.com, and just to mention either your podcast or your name, and and I'll um, give them a really good discount. Sounds good. Jim, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo, um, figuring out with the time difference between Australia and the U.S. getting this uh, recording to work. My guest today has been leadership coach Jem Fuller. Thank you again, Jem, for joining us. Yeah, thanks again for having me, David. And um, thank you for the good work that you're doing. It's really lovely. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to start and build your business even when you have no plan. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn 
How to Build a Successful Business After a Late Career Job Loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.